This week on episode 489 of Priority One, we trek out Mike McMahon's new deal, the start of Star Trek-ish E filming, Manny Koto worship, and Star Trek actors get, wait for it, political. <gasps> In Star Trek gaming, we preview the new synth ship, but not the one you think, and we trek out the triple giveaway. Then we look on screen to review Discovery's season three episode, Sanctuary. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector and the brand new official Star Trek Online Starship Collection at herocollector.com forward slash ST online. Save 10% with code PRIORITY10 at checkout. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 489, the penultimate episode of 2020 for Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, December 8th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, December 11th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. I'm Tony. And in our live stream booth is our live stream technician, Brandon. Hey guys, how's it going? Hello. Captains, each week between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners, on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look us up. There we post things like community questions, special announcements, and so much more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app and you will find us. Or you can email us. Reach out to us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I try not to gloat. You know, I try to behave like a humble executive producer. Yeah, so often. Shut up, it's true. But the truth is that this production is a miracle. It really is. The fact that we have such a remarkable team of volunteers who donate their time and talents to producing this show is unheard of in the entertainment or new media industry. Everybody's trying to make a buck. Everybody's trying to earn extra money and and get exposure and line their pockets. Truth of the matter is when you produce a podcast, you really shouldn't be doing it for the money. You should be doing it for the community because you are passionate about something. And that's what Priority One Podcast is about. We are a group of passionate entertainers and contributors and artists and engineers. And honorary theater that have kids. A, and honorary theater kids that have a passion for Star Trek. And we're carving out our little space in that Star Trek mythos. Without this team, it would not be possible. All the while, supported by listeners like you via Patreon.com. None of the money that we earn from Patreon or our sponsors goes into our pockets. In fact, it goes right back into the production, and we are so very grateful for that support. Captains, it really takes a small army of volunteers to produce a show like ours from week to week, and we could use your help. 
If you'd like to join the team, we're looking for audio editors who can spare two or three hours a week to help edit one of our segments. Or if you're into video editing, someone who might be willing to clean up our live stream so that we can publish it as a video companion to the podcast. But most importantly, Captains, it's time to shake things up around here. And to that end, we want to renew our commitment to inclusivity, like Star Trek itself does, by adding a new voice to the show. A voice that is going to join us week after week to talk about the latest and greatest from the Star Trek multiverse. And perhaps not as cynically as Tony. Oh, well, I mean, I anchor the one end of the chain. We need somebody that slides down the other end of the spectrum. We don't want to duplicate that. No, 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 no. Definitely. So if you like Star Trek, and if you think you can hang with us, and if you think you can wrestle me to the ground and and smack me around verbally, because we only want to do this verbally, then what you need to do is you need to join the team here. That's right, Captains. Truth be told is that we need to walk the walk and talk the talk. We held others accountable this year, earlier this year, for not voicing and standing up for those who are unable to fight for themselves and need the support of a massive community. And we need to do better here at Priority One Podcast ourselves. So, truth be told, I don't want to be the only person on this team that qualifies as a minority anymore. So, we strongly encourage members of the BIPOC community who are also fans of Star Trek Online, Star Trek Gaming as a whole, the Star Trek community in general, to participate in the audition process. Our goal has always been to represent the community and we can do better and we will do better with your help so if you have a passion for star trek play some star trek online or other trek games and have always wanted to elevate your voice in the greater star trek community then visit priorityonepodcast.com review the job descriptions available and click join the team at the top of the web page if you have any questions feel free to write us via incoming at priorityonepodcast.com now let's check out the latest news from the star trek multiverse I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Although the United States general elections happened a month ago and Joe Biden is our president-elect, all eyes are focused on the state of Georgia, where a critical runoff election is about to take place in January. Two seats are up for grabs in the Senate. Two very important seats. So just because you might have already voted and your state's been counted or recounted or perhaps even recounted again, that doesn't mean you shouldn't care about what's going on in Georgia, especially when Star Trek gets involved. On December 12th, a virtual event will take place with guests that include fan favorites from all generations of Trek. The original series, George Takei, The Next Generation's Frakes, McFadden, Burton, Spiner, New Treks, Pill, Cruz, Rap, Cabrera, and Martin Green. And that's just naming a few. Headlined by one of Georgia's leading activists and former gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, the goal is to raise funds for the two Democratic candidates, John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock. For more information on how you can watch the event and show your support, visit the Act Blue website and donate. According to Deadline, quote, tickets start at $5 per person at the triple level and rise up to 500 per person at the Vulcan level. Proceeds go to the Georgia Senate Victory Fund, end quote. She's a huge Star Trek fan. Yes, she is. She's been making the rounds. She was on the um, pod directive, the podcast that Tawny Newsom does. But it's not only that. I mean, uh, Stacey Abrams has done, I mean, 2020 would not have been possible without Stacey Abrams. Her credibility stretches over a number of circles. Right. She has credibility in politics. 
the Democratic rank and file uh, respect her, the Republican rank and file fear her. And she has a lot of credibility with people outside of politics, too, because she's an approachable person. She's got some formula going on here that I'm not quite sure. I'm, my political mind hasn't quite zeroed in on her yet, but she's got some, some she's got something going on there. And I mean, if not for nothing, you're paying five dollars to watch all the trek, all Look the trek, all the trek. Mm-hmm. Tre- you know what? Just get five dollars. If even if you live somewhere else, you know, you're going to be able to spend five dollars to watch this event. And you know what? Forget that you're donating to getting the Democrats two more seats in the Senate, even though that's very important and you should be thinking about it. Let's say you don't want to. Let's say you don't want it to be about politics. Just think about how awesome it's going to be to watch all of these Star Trek stars talk about what's important. So Star Trek Lower Decks has had a couple of months to simmer in the grander lexicon of Star Trek television. Turns out the show and its creator are nowhere near being done. Variety's Will Thorne reports Mike McMahon has just signed a two-year deal with Paramount CBS. The announcement was made by CBS Studios Senior Vice President Alec Botnick, who said of the signing, quote, We feel so fortunate that Mike chose to partner with us for this next stage of his career. He is a true savant whose passion for and knowledge of animation is inspirational. Being able to be a part of his journey and helping him realize the stories he wants to tell and how he wants to tell them is the reason many of us got into this business, end quote. The deal locks up the creator-writer for two years and includes exclusive rights to produce all of McMahon's TV content. McMahon expressed his feelings on the signing, saying, quote, I'm so excited to continue my television journey with my friends at CBS. I've always wanted to be allies with a corporation whose logo is a giant unblinking eye. I think we'll be able to make some truly weird stuff together. End quote. As always, we'll have a link to the Variety article in our show notes. This guy is He's so funny. weird. He's so He's, awesome. <laughs> it's just so, like, what a, what a quote. What a quote. This guy. I like this guy. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I mean, and this is the this is the fun part here. He's going to keep doing Lower Decks, obviously, but they also want him to pitch them other stuff. Uh, yeah, I like how they're saying exclusive rights to produce all of McMahon's TV content. That's very interesting. Yeah, they're expecting more pitches from him. Now, in my fever dreams, he pitches them another Star Trek show, just not an animated one, but apparently he's sticking with animation because they really hit the animation thing uh, pretty hard. Man, could he be an so. advisor at least? They really need to make him the keeper of the canon. Yeah, it needs to be his job. I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't. I, I. Let's not. He had one season, guys. Let's not jump to this whole. Like, come on. He did Star Trek season eight on Twitter. Yeah, but I, I he bought had the two book. Seasons. I bought the book that went with it, and the the book isn't that funny. That it's because it's not. It's this is the whole thing between binging and and, yeah, and episodic viewing. Yeah. If you watch, if you saw them as episodes with, on Twitter, they were fantastic. Yeah. I think if you sat down to binge it, it's probably not so good. Perhaps if Star Trek Discovery or its counterpart Star Trek Picard aren't reaching your nostalgic Star Trek itch, the Orville is likely your go-to back scratcher. And if that's the case, we've got some really good news for you. Season three has begun filming. The Orville's official. Twitter handle tweeted on December 4th quote, and we're back. Season 3 filming has officially started. Hashtag the Orville. End quote. The show's senior editor and co-executive producer Tom Constantino joined the Twitter fund, giving us a behind-the-scenes image of a personal protective equipment wearing crew hard at work. Later, a mask-clad Chad Coleman, the one and only Bordas, hit Instagram with a video message proclaiming, quote, even Mocklid's mask up. End quote. While no official announcement regarding release dates has been made, it is likely we will 
won't get to watch the Orville's third season until the end of 2021 at the earliest. It's nice to know it's coming. I am so excited for season three of the Orville. Mm-hmm. I would be, there's already, there's already, a few months ago, there were rumor vapors floating about that Hulu did not sign up for a season four already and it was canceled the moment it got to Hulu. That it was only going to be season three and that's it. I really hope that that's nothing but rumors. And I hope that the Orville has such a successful season three that it just skyrockets. And, and it's funny because I kind of forget about the Orville every once in a while. Like as, as I'm in between shows, right, I usually will go back to good old Star Trek and then I think to myself, oh, wait a minute, there's the Orville. I can watch the Orville. And it's got some replayability. I want to do a rewatch. I, mean, I, I think it's ready. I think I'm ready for a rewatch. I think yes, yes, you should do a rewatch. You should absolutely yeah. do a rewatch. I'm really looking forward to the new season of Orville. And I just uh, the other day, Dolly Parton was in the news because she donated money to towards one of the COVID vaccines. And I was just thinking, you know, man, that that lady's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, because she's you know she's 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 written like all your all the great songs that you like. And I made, made me think there's that bit in Orville in one of the episodes in season two where they played nine to five yeah. in the background between a ground battle interspersed with a space battle. Yep. And it's just worked. Yeah, yeah. It was just so, awesome. so good. Yep, yep. So I'm like, yeah, so Dolly Parton is everywhere, including on the Orville. What I also like about this season three announcement is that supposedly the episodes are going to be longer on Hulu. They're actually going to get a longer, Ooh. the episodes will be a little longer. So that... Because it won't have to fit into TV. Right. right. Good. Mm-hmm. Yay. Have you guys watched Electric Dreams on Amazon Prime? No. Is it good? So it's an anthology series, right? Kind of like Black Mirror or... Um... Isn't it based on Philip K. Dick? Yes, yes, yes. Novels? Yes. Okay. So I watched one of them that I really liked and then I I started watching another the one with Brian Cranston and I was like eh, I'm kind of falling asleep during this one but I want to give it a really like a, a a solid attempt at watching all of them because you know I'm I'm digging the the Twilight Zone Black Mirror anthologies I'm kind of digging that storytelling these short stories I like some of those shows. It can be a bit of a gamble, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's part of it. Some of them are, they're kind of hit and miss, but there's a reason why the format has lasted 60 years. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. Are you more excited for Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Picard Season 2, Lower Decks Season 2, or The Orville Season 3? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you've listened for any length of time to this podcast, you probably know our feelings on Star Trek Enterprise's fourth season, right, Tony? Yeah. This week, the man responsible for some of the Season 4 magic showrunner and writer Manny Koto sat down with Looper to talk about his prolific career and reflected on his time with Enterprise. Koto recalled that the series was all but canceled prior to his taking the reins, and he used the opportunity to tell stories he felt were worth telling. Quote, My goal wasn't to really patch anything up. It was simply to kind of do the episodes that I would want to see, because I knew this was going to be one season. I knew, and everybody knew, that it was not going to come back, and Paramount was already thinking of the next incarnation. So I just set about trying to have as much fun and do as many interesting episodes as I possibly could. End quote. But did the experience of captaining a damned ship sour Koto's possible return to the franchise? Would Koto return to Star Trek? Quote, oh, definitely. I would jump on it. I mean, Trek was what got me into the business as a kid, and it's what got me in, meaning it's what I fell in love with that made me want to do this. And so it's in my genes, and I will never really properly escape it. End quote. Okay, so hire Ronald D. Moore and Mike McMahon and Manny Cotto as the power triumvirate triple threat yes. team. 
to put together the next Star Trek series. I don't think Ronald D. Moore would do it, but yes. Well, I'm a little curious. What else has Manny Cotto done? I'm pulling up his IMDb don't now care. As, we, as we speak. Don't care. Enterprise season four, some of the best Trek ever filmed. So most recently, he's doing next on uh, on FX. It's that um, AI series, AI Gone Amok, with John Hamm from Mad Men. Mad, Mad Men. Men. Yes, thank you, guys. <laughs> but he's also done Dexter. He did several episodes of Dexter. He did oh. Enterprise, of course, 24 Redemption. He did that reboot. So he's employable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he told some of the best Star Trek stories ever filmed. He did. He did. Season four of Enterprise is really underrated. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. Captains, before we move on with Star Trek gaming news, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this episode, Eagle Moss and their Hero Collector line of starships from Star Trek Online. Captains, during the live broadcast recording of episode 488, we opened up Thomas Maroney's Pathfinder, and it is a beautiful ship. Probably one of my favorites of all the ones we've unboxed so far. You see, this ship looks armored. It really does, and you can see the detail throughout the entire model. Model. And the color scheme pops. You've got the black detail, the black lines popping against the light gray hull of the ship. It is just absolutely gorgeous. The underside is beautiful. And on the underside of the ship, you see the captain's yacht, the little captain's yacht's outlined. And it's like, it pops, it's in 3D. It's like, it's gorgeous. The ships that Eagle Moss takes are from renders, 3D renders from Star Trek Online. So if you see it on the screen as you're playing the game, you're going to see it in your hand as you pick it up and hold it and turn it over and zoom it over your head and then regretfully put it back on its stand because it's time to go do something productive. <laughs> back in the stand, I put my back in the box and back in the wrapping. Don't hide it. Don't hide it. Let it well, breathe. Let it be I free. I displayed it. No, I didn't want <laughs> anything to happen to it. I don't have a place to display them oh. all yet, but the one I got was really cool. The Romulan Tactical Warbird, which is gorgeous. It's the Vastum class, but they also had, isn't this a ships of like the flagships? They had the Baran, which mm -hmm. is also very nice. And they had the Bortescue and the uh, Nog ship. They had the, oh, yeah, uh, the Chimera. The Chimera, yeah. Yeah, and the Gem Hadar Vanguard Carrier, which is really cool looking. And they just announced they are releasing the Avenger. <gasps> Ooh. The Battle Cruiser. I'm really That's, excited about that one. Yeah. It's actually. It's actually on the back of this box that they sent me. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, I'm really excited Gonna about need that, that one. one. So captains, it's the second to last episode. There's only a few weeks left to the end of the year. I'm sure many of you are scrambling to do your holiday shopping. So why not save 10% on a $30 ship, right? You're saving 10% on something that'll make any Trekkie or yourself. Very happy. Very, very happy. Use code PRIORITY10, PRIORITY10 at checkout, and you'll save that 10%. And we almost forgot. They just announced, Eagle Moss today announced a two-foot size Enterprise D that you can construct in parts. It's kind of like their DeLorean series. It's huge and it's massive. So you're going to want to check that out. We'll have links in the show notes. But for something a little more, you know, last minute holiday shopping or something a little smaller, or maybe you just kind of want to start dabbling in Star Trek ship collection. And can't, you can't put that back in the box. Once it's out. You cannot. It's out. You cannot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
So I'll again, just set it on my desk. There you go. Again, if if you're still figuring out what to get for that special someone, or you need to give somebody a hint on what to get, let them know they'll save 10% by using code Priority10 at checkout over at Eagle Moss and their Hero Collector line of Starship. We thank Eagle Moss for their ongoing support of Priority One. As the Angel's Wake lockbox pops back into the far future, the Infinity lockbox gains a new old ship with a somewhat checkered past. The Deimos class pilot destroyer T6 possibly familiar as a synth frigate, reflects the 2411 Federation's focus on restoring older classes for duty. True, these ships took part in the 2385 Mars attack, but they were being piloted by suborned Sung synths at the time. Alliance engineers have retooled them for squishy organic hands now, so it's fine. It's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. The Deimos sports the standard 5-2 destroyer weapon layout with a 3-device, 5-tactical, 4-engineering, and 2-science console slots. For organic commanders, it hosts stations for commander tactical slash pilot, lieutenant commander tactical slash intelligence, lieutenant commander engineering, lieutenant science, and ensign universal bridge officers. As a destroyer, it supports experimental weapons like the kinetic feedback matrix, hitting targets hard and buffing energy weapon haste with every hit. Like you'd expect, the Deimos console is another weapon, an immolating phaser lance that stores and fires off in charges like the Omega Torpedo Launcher. Finally, the Deimos ship mastery trait, Formation Flying, summons two allied destroyers that fire their lances in time to yours because the real treasure were the shipyards we destroyed along the way, maybe. Note that the Deimos class isn't the synth frigate we blew out of the Martian sky during the Synthwave TFO event. That synth frigate may or may not be part of the game in the future. Be sure to follow the link in our show notes to see the proper ship model. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if I want to fly a destroyer, but I do like those pilot ships. I just, I don't like the 5-2 layout. Yeah, I never got into them. I I thought I would because I tend to like escorts, but pilot ships and these destroyer ships are kind of squishy, you know, like you you gotta, and you gotta zip around and make sure that, you know, you're not in sitting in one place for too long so that the NPCs blow you up. Something about this ship got me thinking, and I think it has more to do with Panda's writing for this particular segment about how organic commanders, you know, us, you know, humans flying these ships, which were designed for synths, you know, it's supposed it's supposed to be a joke, but I used to play a liberated Borg. You know what I would have loved? And I just th- thought of this now, 10 years later, something, a, a ship, it doesn't have to be a Borg ship, right? I know that players have always wanted to fly a Borg ship, but just a ship that would take advantage of alien species captain traits. You know what I'm saying? Am I making any sense? Well, I mean, I think so back in the day when you made a character in Star Trek Online, some races, some species got certain traits that were were species specific. Yeah. And what you're saying was you would like to have had a ship that if you had that particular trait or buff, that it would be amplified. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like like a, a, a liberated Borg would really be able to take full advantage of a destroyer like this, right? Because it's technology, it's synth technology, blah, blah, blah. Or a Liberty Borg would have been able to receive a particular buff uh, when flying the adaptive Borg destroyer from way back in the day. Oh, Remember the Tal Shiar, back, the Tal Shiar adapted yep. battlecruiser and yep. destroyer. But there's also the Borg juggernaut, blocky, is it? The blocky ship, yeah, Deliberated. yeah. Blocky thing from when Data, <laughs> yeah. from when Lore took over the, mm-hmm. the extra Borgs. Yes, yeah. that. That thing. So, yes, you already have bonus traits depending on a species that you have and, you know, your buffs. You want two humans on your bridge officers and or a combination of two humans and two of the Romulan bridge officers to help with X, Y, and Z. But I would love a ship 
that, you know, is really catered and tailored for hmm. a particular alien species. That's interesting. Like the Andorians, you'd get extra cold damage or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, That'd be kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. If you play a human, anything with a saucer, uh, engineering hull, and two nacelles gives you all the bonus points because it's just <laughs> plain vanilla. It's the plain vanilla starship. Yeah, that was probably too hard because... Yeah, I don't know. I could see why that would not be, but that's really kind of a cool idea. There you go. That's that's for free there, Cryptic. You go, that's you take that and run with it. So other than that, going back to the ship, what do we think? Overall, just... Uh, I mean, it's cool that they put it in the Infinity Lockbox, because I feel like if you're going to open lockboxes, that's the best one to open. But again, I don't know. Um, I It seems like it's probably going to be a little too small and a little too squishy for my taste. I like a little survivability, but I also want some firepower. Right. And, and I'm sure they're doing this on purpose, but every time I hear synth and synthwave and see one of these ships, I go, I think immediately about Zoolander. I mean, I'm just thinking like, you know, angular weird ties and stupid looking suits with pointy ends on it and stuff like that. <laughs> I just get like so complete... hot right now. So hot right Right now, so hot right now, it's yeah, so hot. yeah. That's <laughs> it, it just gets such a late '80s pastel, crazy fashion vibe. I will say this about the ship: I'm not too impressed by either neither the the starship trait uh, formation flying, which adds a pair of synth destroyers when activating a distress call. The yeah. experimental weapon, the kinetic feedback matrix. Okay, you know, I'm a damn admiral. I'll summon all the ships I want. Right. I just summon all the ships. I just get mad when they disappear. I'm like, who told you you can leave? I'm the boss. Right. I summoned you. What's up, Nimbus Pirates? That's Come right. On. <laughs> stick around until the job's done. I'm gonna you summon you. To be helping me. I'm gonna summon. I'm gonna summon my emergency backup people. Uh, I'm gonna summon these guys. I'm gonna have nine ships with me. I'm the admiral. The phaser lance, interestingly, is not a one shot and then wait 20 minutes before you can use it again. This is you get six shots out of this, and then there's some time in between those shots, but it's much more frequent, frequent and usable. Than, than the other phaser lances, right? It's what it sounded like. I mean, I, it didn't say what the cooldown was, but yeah, it said it would be like a set of charges. So it'd go, you'd have a group of them and then, you know, cool down. What's red, white, furry all over, and probably killed Edward Larkin? It's a triple! And from now until December 22nd, Cryptic and Triple Toys are running a sweepstakes to give a large winter triple to 12 lucky winners. Each winner also receives a PC-only code for an in-game Black Alert triple. Head on over to Star Trek Online's Twitter announcement of this sweepstakes via the link in our show notes. Rumor has it winter tribbles are especially fond of peppermint and gingerbread, so keep it away from your holiday candy stash, or you'll be up to your Santa hat and tribbles. Don't feed them after midnight. Wrong franchise. <laughs> That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's look on screen for the newest episode in the Star Trek multiverse. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 8, The Sanctuary. On screen. So many secrets. Book gets a message from his secret brother, who Burnham had never heard of, even though she and Book had worked together for a year. There's a plague of space locusts across the land. Then they go to a meeting with the Admiral, where he gets talked into something he just ruled out a few seconds ago. He's persuaded by Saru's promise that he will run at the first sign of trouble, but Saru has a secret. The Discovery jumps to Quajon, where the location of everything under the protective shield is a secret, and after a a few minutes of walking through what can only be described as flying jellyfish crossed with radioactive smurfs, Book and Burnham are taken prisoner by Book's secret brother, who was hiding in the forest secretly. 
As it turns out, Book's brother was secretly calling for Book under false pretenses. He didn't want any help with the Jelly Smurfs. He wanted to capture Book and turn him over to the Emerald Chain. The Emerald Chain secretly wanted to use Book to recapture Rin, the stockless Endorian. But the Discovery isn't going to let that happen because they have a secret ship stored in their shuttle bay with a cloaking device so they can secretly deploy the ship and attack the chain and make it look like the ship just appeared out of nowhere. What a great plan by number one Tilly. Except secretly they didn't use the cloaking device so it was blatantly obvious that the Discovery launched Book's ship from the shuttle bay and attacked the criminal gangster's flagship. And then, Discovery links its plot beam generator to the Empathic Brothers' Jelly Smurf drum circle and move the Space Locust without resorting to Orion pesticides. But there's one last secret, the secret that Rin, the stockless Andorian, has been carrying. The secret that no one else knows and explains why the Emerald Chain is hunting him. His dangerous secret is, there's a dilithium shortage. All right, before we jump into the review, let's talk about some statistics. This episode was written by Kenneth Lynn and Brandon Schultz, directed by the incomparable Jonathan Frakes. Could you tell? Could you tell? It aired on December 3rd, 2020. All right, let's jump right in. Tony, why don't you go first? It was okay. All right, let's talk about why it was okay. First, let's talk about where the episode lacked for you. Once again, it was written by a third grader in crayon. Uh, actually, a group of third graders in crayon who just who said, "Oh, oh, oh, oh!" And what if, what if, what if, what if we did this? And then, and it just come on, Tony, you're gonna. I'm not kidding. I I know, but I'm not kidding. It's Robert's it, got a little bit of a point. We shouldn't be that cynical. No, I'm not being cynical. It's just a hot mess. It is. A hot mess. It's just one plot hole after another. Again, it's one of those things. The concept is fine. We're gonna go on a mission to help out one of these little planets that's isolated and being bullied, and we're gonna show people that the Federation's around, and we're gonna, you know, like start showing the flag again. And the Admiral says, no, I'm not going to risk your one-of-a-kind, incredibly potent military asset on a milk run. I'm not going to do it. Five seconds after Burnham opens her mouth, they're doing it anyway. Fine, all right. But you got to run first time of trouble. Oh, Scout's Honor, Admiral, says Captain Saru, the guy that's supposed to be in charge now. Scout's Honor, I'll do that. Nope, not going to do that anymore. And we have a chance, it's a great idea, to like make it completely deniable. We've got a cloaked ship in the trunk. We'll fly the cloaked ship out. It can decloak. Everyone knows knows it's Book's ship, Book can just appear and attack the Orions, and then the Federation will wash their hands of it. Except, no, they just drive it out of the garage and, like, start shooting. All right, so other than the plot, other than the plot... Other than the plot, I couldn't tell about the space battle. And this disappoints me from Frakes. This disappoints me. You couldn't you couldn't what? I couldn't tell what was going on in the space battle. Really? I really to me, they had a few shots where they had pulled back and showed the scale of the ship and what was actually happening. But mostly they just like looked in the window of the Apple store. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. I a little bit. A little bit. I didn't It translated to the planet too. Yes. But in all fairness though, I think that the CGI and these ship battles and these ship cinematic moments are much better than seasons past. They're pretty uh, it's undeniable they're pretty. It's, it's eye candy, for sure. But conveying what's happening and why they're doing it and why it's important and how it's moving the plot along, it really falls down for me. Because, they, like I said, they just stupidly drove the thing out of the garage. But even beyond that, why is what Detmer's doing the way to hurt the ship, right? And if they're just, like, flying over and over and over, trying to hit the one spot, why is that hard or difficult? Why is it a challenge? What is it about the arrangement of things in space and the different sizes and scales? What makes that a challenge? Why is it so cool that she went on manual overdrive or whatever? Because she's dealing with her issues. <sighs> 
I thought I thought I was supposed to stop commenting about the script. Let's talk a little bit about that cat. Why don't you tell us a little bit about? Well, I actually really enjoyed this episode. Surprisingly, uh, you know, I think it might be my favorite episode so far. Um, I liked because Detmer was taking control of things. She was. I liked the Detmer stuff. I liked the Giorgio stuff. I'm like, I like that Saru backed up Burnham instead of making Burnham go off and do her own thing and be insubordinate again. But he actually supported her by being insubordinate himself. Yeah, but well, I mean, persuading the Admiral to be like, ah, oh, we got this, it's fine. I actually thought it was not that bad. I liked it. Uh, nobody's going to bring up the fact that Detmer took manual control with Oculus Rift controls, just like Jonathan Frakes took control of the Enterprise with a joystick. Come on. She had dual ones, though, right? I know, I know. That was, that was, def- that had to have been Frakes. That had to have been Frakes' idea. Of course it was Frakes with the manual control. How are they going to show manual control otherwise? Did I not say how I was disappointed? Did I, did I, meant, did I, did I not say that part out loud? I was disappointed in Frakes. I, why? Oh, because you don't like the joystick thing you hate the joystick thing that was that that knocked him off of you know it's 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 nicholas meyer no 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 no. on the contrary you see i think i give him props for giving you the middle finger and doing the joystick thing i give him <laughs> doubling props down that. on the joystick yes thing. doubling down doubling down with oculus rift controllers. controllers he's doubled down <laughs> Okay. You know, um, this season is, uh, it started off strong, and now I have no idea what the heck's going on. Uh, I thought it was a strong start. I thought that, you know, we were on our way to, you know, the burn. What is the burn? What happened to the burn? And then suddenly, everything shifted to the big bad Orion. With the unidentifiable accent. With the unidentifiable accent, and and I don't, I'm I'm kind of, I'm still kind of scratching my head as to why Orions look like they got stung by a bee. All of them. They're all allergic. I know, I know, I know. But I, it just, I, I man, they're, I think they're just trying too hard. I really just think that they're trying way too hard. I think maybe too. Uh, did you know that the Orion or Syrah was Margot Kidder's daughter, granddaughter? Some relative of Margot Kidder, oh. by the way. Underneath the puffy makeup, I can see the resemblance. You know, I, I enjoyed the first part because we started to get some answers. We, we started to see a direction about what this burn is. But I, I really just, like I said, I think that they're trying too hard. There was a really nice moment between Stamets and Adira, right? The fact that they explain that they do not identify with standard gender norms. Uh, I think that that was a, a relatively familiar Star Trek moment. Albeit, I feel like these moments tend to be forced in the plot because they're trying too hard. Oh my god. Yes, thank you for saying that for me. I, I wish that they would just relax. I think that's the problem in the writer's room is that they're they're so wound up yeah. about what is Star Trek? What isn't Star Trek? How much can we fit in that's a morality play? How much can we fit in that's that's entertaining without sacrificing logic? And I'm not talking about Vulcan logic. I'm just talking about plot logic. I want to contrast what you just said right there. I want to contrast the toothbrush scene in season one with you and Paul. Stamets. So with yeah. Stamets. And, and so contrast that. I actually want to compare with when Adira says, I want to be called. I want you to use they. Right. It was just I'm talking to you here. I'm taking a leap. I'm telling you this is how I feel. We work together. It's important to me that you do this for me. And he goes, all right. And scene, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, right? All right, that's fine. And the next scene, they do the space magic-y things about people in her head. All right, fine. But they don't mention it again, right? It's like, that thing happened, and we're going to move on, and it's just no big deal. And then they go back, and they just hammer it over and over. They have a whole conversation with Adira right there. Mm-hmm. And I think I counted eight uses of the word they are there. And I'm counting because they, like, pause when they're about to say. 
they, they. Just so you know it's happening. Guys, enough is enough. Just do it. Deliver what you're going to deliver. And then let the audience just soak in it. Right, right. The audience needs to soak in it, right? They need to just bask in what's happening. And so, you know, here we are halfway into the season and we're still trying to be introduced to the big baddie. I don't know. I just, I don't know the direction. I feel like they've gone four steps back with Burnham. You know, I thought that the, the season started pretty, pretty well with the direction they were taking her. And then all of a sudden, in the opening scene, right, Colbert is diagnosing Giorgio, right? And they're having a conversation and he's about to start the tests and jump cut. All of a sudden, Burnham's there. Like, what? Who? Who? What? Who invited you? Where'd you come from? Why are you there? Wh- why? I actually felt the opposite this this episode. Other people had things to do. I mean, other, other people, other people had stuff that needed to happen that helped drive the plot forward. No, no. But I mean that in the moment, she just suddenly is in the med bay. Yeah. Like, who called you? Who call, who invite? Why are you here? Why are you in? Why the are seat? you chiming in? You're not a doctor. Why? What's going on? What? What? The writers have good intentions, but they they keep fumbling. They keep, it's like a bad football game or contractual obligations. Like she has to be in thirty percent of the scenes or something. That could be that could be a thing. maybe. I maybe that's what it is. We were talking earlier and check it out about the anthology series on Amazon Prime, uh, Electric Dreams. We've mentioned the Mandalorian, right? Which is its contemporary right now, airing almost simultaneously. And yet, look, I didn't I. I didn't like the first part of season two of Mandalorian, and I'm and I'm I have a point to why I'm diverting here. Is the first part of of Mandalorian, the first season, was a lot of the same from season one, and it was like watching a video game. Go go, here's a quest. Talk to your NPC. Do the quest. Come back. Reap your rewards. It was a video game. The, the Mandalorian has been a video game, but these last two episodes, man, have been darn good, darn good of the Mandalorian, and yet simple. The point I want to make is, as I watch the, Man- I am in no way a Star Wars fan, like a big fan. I don't know Star Wars nearly as much as I know Star Trek. And yet I watch The Mandalorian and I can go, oh, that's that guy from that thing on that thing, right? Oh my God, that's so cool. And I don't know diddly squat about it, but I'm still getting excited about it. Star Trek is really struggling on capturing that magic. Well, that, and that's the difference is that they've, there's a vision on Mandalorian about what it's supposed to be. And let me pitch this to you. And maybe the water's under the bridge and the moment has passed, but hopefully, fingers crossed, Discovery wants to be Mandalorian. I hope so. Like the Admiral finally gets it into his head that, okay, this Discovery is going to be the most valuable when I send them off to random places where they appear out of nowhere, where we keep everyone in the quadrant off balance because you never know when Discovery is going to show up. So what I wanted, what I need to do is I need to send them on stupid little milk runs and big important missions completely at random so that no one knows what's coming next which would also be really good TV because you could then just beam them into anything. Mm -hmm. You could drop them anywhere on the quadrant in in any place and have something important happening or have a little human interest story about the family farm can't find enough locust repellent. You could do anything with it and that's what makes the Mandalorian interesting and fun is because you don't know if they're going to fight against the big bad guy this week or if they're going to have to go to a repair shop on Tatooine where all the robots are crazy because it could go either way and it could be entertaining either way. Maybe, fingers crossed, that's what they have in mind, but I don't, I doubt it. Yeah, and you know what else Mandalorian has is that it's not trying to just beat you over the head with canon, like it just folds it in so naturally. Oh my god, it's magical. So good. So smooth. Yeah, and it's not like, it's so well done. It's it's not like, hey, we're going to give you a hologram of Spock, which is not terrible, but you could have maybe did that differently. The strings in the piano in the background kind of over. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, they're like, look at this, it's Mr. Spock. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and this goes to John Favreau. John Favreau knows 
how to do science fiction. And Dave Filoni. Oh, and Dave Filoni, for sure, Ahsoka Tano. I mean, it just, you know, John Favreau was also involved with the Orville. And yes. uh, Orville's another great series. I mean, just, uh, you, you, you know, it's just another well-told series, right? Yeah, I feel like you're right, and they're trying too hard. They're trying too hard. They just need to um, step back. Just go on an adventure, guys. Go on an adventure. I want to just, let's have fun, man. Yeah. Have fun. and That's why I thought this episode was okay. This one was as closest to just an adventure. Yeah, I like book and his brother the secret brother and you know Giorgio <laughs> what was going on with her but the planet you know I mean yeah I like this episode uh, over some of the others they could use this as a template is what I'm saying this could be how discovery works ah uh- I don't like this. I don't know that I would like this episode to be time. I think there were two two episodes ago that two or three episodes ago that was like a, a decent like this felt like a traditional formula, right? I remember wasn't that like two or three episodes ago we felt except they can't do traditional formula because they're in the future and it's been a year and they put canon in a blender. Right, right. Putting canon in a blender absolutely works if you are going to just bounce, right? This week we're going to be here. This week we're going to be there. I want to take a moment to think to look ahead because I don't know if you guys watched the um, after track. Oh, with Will Wheaton. With Will Wheaton. And yeah, and they gave that that they gave that uh, sneak peek into next week's episode. And in that sneak peek, it looks like they're gonna try to fold in the Kelvin universe. Oh no! I watched the scene where Cronenberg explains it, and he's talking about what you know what it means and what Giorgio's going through, and blah blah blah. And it's gonna get convoluted, man. The start this whole Star Trek multiverse thing is convol as convoluted as the DC universe, and it's one of the reasons why I don't like DC, and I have a hard time following DC is because of this, you know, Earth A, Earth B, multiverse A, JJ-verse, and, not, and now now it looks like somebody is crossing from the JJ-verse into our universe, who's also something, something mirror. It's just, man, my head's gonna hurt. I have a feeling my head's really gonna hurt next week. Well, you know, it's a violation of the temporal wars to come from the past into the future. That's true. You can't leave the past and travel to the future, because then you'd be in trouble. Did we talk about Tilly being awesome in this episode though I love the scenes with her and her husband like I love it because she's all oh nah <laughs> you come in here with some respect mister <laughs> it's she's getting better lines and good lines and she's you know and doing that but they are absolutely treating the executive officer of the ship like the executive assistant she is totally pepper pots <gasps> and they that it is I mean and that's just no she should not be walking around with the captain's pad and like saying and now you have an appointment at 10 and this is where we're at and this is then we're doing on that. No, 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 no. She's supposed to be like in her office, like crunching performance reviews and getting uh, supply problems sorted out between department heads and mitigating stuff so the captain never sees it. That's what an executive officer does. She's not an executive assistant. She's an executive officer. They have not figured that out over there in the writer's room. But it's funny you mentioned that, Cap, because you can tell that those two love each other and they could not hide that shit. Mm-mm. It was adorable. They couldn't hide it. They couldn't hide it on set. These two actors who are married and you could see it in their eyes. They're just loving each other in their eyes, even though they, they're they they're playing two separate characters, which is adorable. And it, it's we're peeking behind the curtain a little bit. And, you know, you may not have picked up on it knowing that the Andorian guy is 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 uh, Mary Wiseman's husband in real life. Watch again and watch those scenes. The two of them have this little spark that only a couple would have that can then bring it on stage, you know, bring it into the scene. It, it was it was really nice. And here I thought it was because Tilly was growing 
growing as a character and relaxing into her role as the executive officer of the ship, and she was feeling more uncomfortable with herself and in command of, of what was going on. But I guess not. Never mind. No, I think it was more that she just liked telling her husband what to do. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. We may be, you know, we may be peeking again behind the curtain. But you know what, Tony? Uh, there's also that too. Is that you know, Mary Wiseman is is owning the role, and so you know, she, one could She's doing well. That wraps up this week's on screen for Star Trek Discovery. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Didn't have a community question last week, but we always appreciate it when you contribute to the discussion, like... Sean Newboy wrote us on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Love the episode, everyone. Thanks again, Dr. Hurt. I still am sad over Arecibo. Next time the good doctor is going to be on and you get a chance, do they have any long-term theoretical plans for any ground-based observatories on the dark side of the moon? Good question. Someone's been listening to Guard Frequency because that's what we talked about on our our, our show. Because it's the perfect... Really? Wow. Yeah, it's the perfect place. There's lots of natural craters, obviously, so you can put a big old dish in any one of those natural craters. And if you put it on the dark side of the moon, it's always shielded from radio transmissions from Earth because the the bulk of the moon's always behind you. Uh, So you can... uh, can, And it orbits once a month, so you get a view of the entire sky at least once a month. Uh, And so it it would be the perfect spot. Of course, it would be ridiculous expensive to try to do that. Well, probably China already did. <laughs> didn't <laughs> fill any wine. One. That's why they're sending all the probes. They're sending one up. They're going to be surprised. I mean, they already put their flag up, but you have a flag. Yeah. yeah they put yeah. their flag up there. Well, that wraps up episode 489 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. And we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community questions for this week. Are you more excited for Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Picard Season 2, Lower Deck Season 2, The Orville Season 3, the finale for The Mandalorian this this season? Where's Grogu? What's going to happen to Grogu? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Wendy. Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Captain during these difficult times, we are humbled by and this whole year, this whole year, the fact that so many of you have continued to support Priority One Podcast through Patreon is just remarkable. Thank you so very much. We would not have been able to do it without you. So thanks. And if you want to join the family and be a part of 
things like special loot boxes or special codes whenever I get a chance to grab them and other special perks, check us out over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, Skiffy, and Brandon, who also acts as our live stream technician. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Engage. you take this person even though i swept out the last bit but elijah talked yes, because, a lot yeah yeah because i talked a lot oh okay i forgot we just did the whole eagle yep. moss thing i didn't know that's where it really went in this that's show. where it's supposed to go, <laughs> supposed to go. but this time brandon doesn't have to fix it, it in post <laughs> brandon you know brandon is not the only one that edits the show i'm saying brandon <laughs> because he's here oh i see i'm using brandon as an allegory for the entire wonderful audio staff including brandon rand daniel roscoe Skiffy, who am I missing? Uh, Gray. 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 Gray's, Gray's, he's one of the newer ones, sir. William. William. Well, anywho. Thanks, y'all. That's right. It's all right, all right. I feel bad for whoever's editing Stow this week. Let's, let's do Stow. Okay. Head on over to Star Trek Online's Twitter announcement of the stream. Except secretly, they didn't use the cloaking device. It was blatantly obvious that the Discovery launched book ships from the shuttle bay and attacked no, the criminal bookship. gangs. Book ship. just the one it seemed like eight but it was just the one i know and then discovery links its plot beam generator to the empathic brothers jelly smurf drum circle (laughs) oh my god seriously sorry i should have put that in quotes i missed that earlier but that's awesome thanks to our audio editors including gray brandon william rand daniel wasco wasco really wasco Wasco e wabbit wasco e wabbit (laughs) podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network